Welcome back, everyone, to Double Take, an NFL podcast streaming everywhere you get podcasts and also on YouTube. I'm your host, David, and I'm joined by my good friends, Daniel and Savage. How are you guys? What's up? Doing good. Doing great. Man, what a great weekend of football that we got this week. They were, I think even if we want to talk about the Houston-Baltimore game for two and a half quarters, that game was deadlocked at 10 to 10. So that was also a good game. Um, but a lot of implications, a lot of things being said in the media and a lot of things happening coming out of Dallas. And we're going to talk about that towards the end of the show, because obviously we're not doing Cowboys talk because they don't deserve Cowboys talk at this point. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and dive straight into the, the divisional round games. First with Kansas City beating the Buffalo Bills 27 to 24. It was a really nip and tuck game like really really close for the majority of it josh allen has the ball at the last like at towards the end of the game to either win the game or to kick a field goal and came up a couple plays short and then tyler bass misses a field goal so this kansas city's team who people have been saying, and I think myself included, this team is not making it to the AFC Championship game for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career as a starter. That is done away with. He is going to his sixth straight AFC Championship game. Uh, we lost Savage here for, for a quick second, so it's just me and Daniel for right now. Um, but Daniel, I'm going to start with you until we get Savage back in here. What should the narrative be about Patrick Mahomes first? I mean, it doesn't change anything. We've all realized that he is the best quarterback in the NFL. That doesn't change. And maybe maybe it's just me. I wasn't that impressed by the win. I wasn't because he still went to Travis Kelsey. Rice played a really good game and they ran the ball. His defense showed up in key moments. This is the best defense he's had in his entire career. He finally has a running game. But on top of that, who did he play against? The Bills' defense was decimated. Decimated. So for him, he just went out there and did what he always does. Make great plays. Doesn't make mistakes in the postseason. For me, it doesn't change any narrative about Patrick Mahomes. Because he was able to use his, his weapons. It seemed like they could do whatever they wanted on offense. And, you know, his best play of the game was probably that really great fake out running for almost 30 yards. Like, that was impressive. But for me, that doesn't surprise me about Patrick Mahomes. So right. not to say, like, hey, like, Patrick Mahomes is, is like that. This game didn't change anything for me about Patrick Mahomes. He is, is who we've always said he was. But guess what? Now the pressure was taken off of him a little bit by having a good defense, 
and having a run game, which we believe every quarterback should have. But Patrick Mahomes, for years, got away with not having either because of his greatness. And so for him, he was just able to just not – I mean, he I don't think he threw for over 300 yards in that game because he didn't have to. He just like, let me take what the defense is giving me. Let me get the ball to Travis Kelsey, to, to Rice, and let's get out here with the win. So for me, it didn't change anything about how I felt about Patrick Mahomes. I think the narrative is still the same. He is the best quarterback in the NFL. Doesn't change anything for me. Savage, what about you? Has, has anything in this game changed the narrative about Patrick Mahomes? Um, I don't know if the narrative can be changed on him in the sense of, like, no one was, at least from my understanding, nobody was really doubting him going into this game. Um, mm-hmm. I, think, I think all the doubts for the Chiefs were around the weapons, not Mahomes. Yes. Uh, they doubted if the wide receivers could catch. They doubted if, like, is MVS going to be able to show up in a big game? He did that. That mm-hmm. one 30-yard catch or whatever it was down the sideline where he just straight up jumped over, dude, to catch it. Um, they doubted if they would be able to stop the Bills. The Bills been on fire. Deion Dawkins is talking all this heat, you know, going into the game. But they got to come see us. And, you know, so I think all of the the narrative might be changed around the Chiefs. But I don't necessarily think the narrative's changed on Mahomes. I think Mahomes sure. is, I mean, you know, nobody, no rational non-Bills fan thought Allen is better than Mahomes. No rational sports <laughs> fan thought that Patrick Mahomes doesn't show up in the playoffs. No rational mm-hmm. football fan thought that the Chiefs had no chance. Really, the argument was, should even Buffalo be favored in their home? It wasn't you know, do the Chiefs have a chance to win? It's like, are we sure the Chiefs shouldn't be favorited? Um, and so, yeah, I don't think the narrative changes on Mahomes. I I, didn't, I think that Mahomes didn't stand anything to, to lose in that game. Um, but I think he stood nothing to win in that game specifically, but he does reach the AFC championship game for the sixth year in a row, has the potential to go to another Super Bowl, could gain stuff as a result of that game, but not just because he beat, Buffalo in January. I mean, that's just like a that's a, a every year that's going to happen. I mean, that's like the Bills to the Chiefs are the Cowboys to the Niners when it comes to January or the Packers so, mm-hmm. or really any team outside of the NFC South. Yeah, yeah. I I think the only thing that changes for me about Patrick Mahomes and even for I I would say a a, a good chunk of people is, you know, I I still thought, even though I picked Kansas City to win, I said, these receivers are going to find a way to blow it. Like, that that, that was always the thought in my head of, you know, if Mahomes had a better team, I would feel more confident. And so what changed for me was after this game, I said, you know what? It, It doesn't matter what team Patrick Mahomes has around him. An AFC championship appearance, is pretty much locked and secured just because of how great he is. And also, I think it, this speaks to the the greatness of Andy Reid as well, of being able to prepare his football team to be consistent when it's time to be consistent. Because, I mean, you we want to talk about how the receivers were. Daniel, you mentioned Rasheed Rice. You mentioned Travis Kelsey. MVS had three 
like top 10 worthy catches in the game. Like yeah. perfect throws by Mahomes, but MVS has to snag it and secure it, something that he hasn't done all year long. And in the biggest of moments, in the biggest of games, he finally is able to do it. Like to me, that's the only thing that changed for me in terms of Mahomes is now like because even coming into the playoffs, we said, you know, it's going to be hard pressed for Kansas City. I mean, they have a shot because of Patrick Mahomes, but even going to the AFC championship game with the way that the offense was looking heading into the postseason, now you clearly don't need a, a Tyreek Hill. It's okay to only have Travis Kelsey. Now, obviously, I hope that the GM for Kansas City figures, hey, we it's it's going to be better for us in the long run if we can actually get a top-notch receiver to help Kelsey. But like you said, the defense is playing okay, pretty well. Um, I wasn't really impressed with him yesterday. The ground game, Pacheco, man, what a godsend he has been to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Also giving Clyde Edwards-Hilaire some breathing room because he's not as talented um, as Pacheco. But he had some great runs, great runs. He's got great hands too. So you have a two-headed monster in the running back position. Um, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Man, they they really could, I mean, pull up the upset and beat Baltimore. But let's switch gears over to the other team. Obviously, we talked about Buffalo. They had a magic carpet ride. They were 6-6, six and six, reeled off five straight wins to finish out the regular season, to get the two seed, to win the AFC East, even though Miami had a three-game lead over them. Then they go to Pittsburgh without a TJ Watt and decimate them. Then they're at home against Kansas City, who, let's be honest, they're not as good as they've been in the past, especially offensively. So th for a lot of people, this was the year that Buffalo should have made a run to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is out. He's not, he, 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 he's not there. So, the, and they knocked him out of the playoffs last year in B Buffalo. You only have to deal with a Kansas City whose offense was suspect until this game. But they come up short. And a lot of people are pointing to Josh Allen and some of the plays that happened late in the ball game, plays that he should have made, not not excluding Stefan Diggs catching that fifty yarder that would have that would have been huge, would have been big. But there was still football to play after that. And Josh Allen, second down and nine, misses Shakir in the end zone when he has a check down to Diggs. And then third and nine decides to throw it away. You put it in Tyler Bass's hands and he misses a field goal to tie the game. But Savage, I'm going to start with you. It's been the talk of the media. It's been the talk of fans all across the world this week. But what should the narrative of Josh Allen be coming off of this game? You know, I think the narrative on Josh Allen should be he's the next in a very long list of talented gunslinging quarterbacks. Um, he's a gunslinger in every sense of the word. He's going to throw the ball as many times as you let him. He's going to run around. He's big. He's athletic. 
he can make crazy plays. Um, but he's going to make some bad plays too. And that's just a part of, that's a part of being a gunslinger. I think of, you know, like the, the people try to make the comp of him with Brett Favre. Um, I don't, if you take away all of Brett Favre's playoff success, it would make sense. Um, but also Favre isn't anywhere near the runner that Allen is, but in the same kind of like, I'm just going to throw this ball down there and somebody's band is going to play, you know, think back to high school Friday night lights, <laughs> either my band's playing or y'all's band is playing either way. Somebody's celebrating after this pass. Um, I think the narrative should be, he's a very talented quarterback. He's, borderline top 10-ish, but I think people want to put him in top five because of his potential. Um, and potentially, he could be the best quarterback in the league just based off of raw athleticism potential. But in actuality, what we see actually come together, he's a, he's around you know somewhere between 8 to 12. He's somewhere in that range. He can win you a bunch of games, but he's probably not going to win you the biggest of games. Yeah, I mean – for me, we, we talk about comps and we talk about people trying to compare these this new generation of quarterbacks to the quarterbacks of old. Mm -hmm. And everyone was trying to put together the picture that this was the next Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. Yeah. And the real, the real comparison to that is Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Because that's actually a rivalry. They're, they're one and one against each other in the postseason. And they play each other really well when they do so for me i think josh allen is going to be like the philip rivers a guy that's going to put up great numbers going to lead your team to a playoff you're going to win a lot of games but when it when it matters is he going to make the plays to win the game and he he has to and savage is right he has the ability to be one of the best if not the best quarterback in the league he has a great arm he has great awareness he can he can run through a brick wall he can put the team on his back if he needs to but that last drive told the picture told the story you fumbled the ball and you were miraculously you were able to get it back you missed two wide open receivers one of them i thought the one to shakir was for me that was it like bro you just put you have, you have one of the strongest arms in the league. Put some mustard on it. If you put some mustard on it, that's a touchdown. So real quick, real quick. So the so the lineman that was in his lap, he still yeah. should make that throw? Deion Dawkins got absolutely destroyed by Chris Jones on that play. So Allen didn't I mean, have a good foundation to plant off of to be able to throw that ball. I mean, I've, I've, seen, I've seen him throw balls where just like that. And it's, and it's not like I want it to land perfect. Just put it in his vicinity. Even if it's in the back of the end zone, just launch that thing. But like also missing Stefan Diggs is also not great either. That, that's what I would point out. That's what and I so, would point out. And so for me, it's just thing, things like that. And obviously, we also have to look at the fact that Stefan Diggs was nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. I mean, at this very start of the drive, he threw a deep ball that hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. Yeah, I heard he's booking a plane ticket to Dallas. I heard that well, too. Well, what I well what I read this morning is that he's sticking around, that he's quote unquote committed to this team. 
Whether that is true or not, we're going to find out here in the next couple months. But three catches for 21 yards, and you have the ability to make the catch of the game. Now, there's no guarantee that when they get down there, they're gonna, because they did eventually get down there, and they still didn't score. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's yeah. not enough for me to say, hey, he made the plays to win it. No, that was going to be a completion. It was going to be in the same touchdown. spot that they were yeah. in. No guarantee they were going to score there. And so I agree with Savage. I think he's just going to be – he's a great quarterback for what he does. Mm-hmm. But is he much more than that? He hasn't proven it. He hasn't. Yeah, I think the conversation that's been had is – is Josh Allen overrated? I think he's been accurately rated, but overhyped. That's that's kind of the thing that I've heard. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. I think he's been overhyped uh, because he he was really good, really like burst out of the scene, came onto the scene really early, um, and went to an AFC Championship game against Patrick Mahomes, and you and you lose. Then the next year you're in the divisional round. And if your defense holds up for 13 seconds, you are going to the AFC championship again. And from after those two seasons, the conclusion is, okay, Josh Allen, you're the guy. You're going to take us to where we need to go. You're going to be able to lead us to a Super Bowl. And that became the expectation year after year. Partly because what you guys are talking about in terms of he's just that talented, he's so good, and he's shown us some flashes of being able to do it. But why were they six and six? It's because of Josh Allen. It's because of of his turnovers. Since he's entered into the league, he has led the National Football League in turnovers, hands down. This past season... He's thrown 18 interceptions, which led the league. Then you also had, but but then in comparison to that, you look at his postseason, he's got 21 touchdowns and only four interceptions. So he turns it on in the playoffs. But then you look deeper at his five and five playoff record. Guess who he has four of those wins on? Skylar Thompson. Mason Rudolph. Um, who else? Who else am I thinking? Oh, Lamar Jackson. No, Lamar Jackson, he has the win over. He's the only cut, starting quarterback. Cuts Lamar Jackson. Yeah, uh, who didn't finish the game. But I think it was like Sky- Skylar Thompson, mm-hmm. Mason Rudolph. Uh, who are the other two? Was it Mac Jones? Mac Jones and who else? There's like one more. I can't remember right now. But th- there was another one. Another one that that he that that he beat that like they're 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 not they're they're not talented quarterbacks they're not, they're not you wouldn't say they're even good quarterbacks. You score seventeen, you win the game. Like it's not it's not that impressive. So I'm looking at his his playoff record against starting quarterbacks in the playoffs. He's one in five. He's one in five. And. So what what I'm saying, I said, I think the narrative for quarterbacks have to be consistent across the board. We want to talk about how Dak Prescott is two and five in the playoffs. Um, Josh Allen is one and five in the playoffs against starting quarterbacks. 
you could have all the talent in the world, but eventually at some point in time, you have to make the play to win the game. And Josh Allen hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it yet. Doesn't mean that he can't. Doesn't mean that he won't. But I think, Savage, when you're talking about where to place him on your on your quarterback rankings, I think 8 to 12 is probably where you should have him. Again, if the list is not just based on talent alone, but also your, your credit that you get for your team's success. And I think you can look at this. I'm just talking about this season alone. You can look at his team success and said they want they won the AFC East and got the second seed, not because of Allen. Allen came in moments and in spurts, but it was really a team effort all together to get it done. But ultimately, they also didn't win because of Josh Allen. To to that, what do you guys say? I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think he definitely looked better. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like he needs to make, and it's not like we're saying he always has to come from behind. Like sometimes you can have a comfortable win, but in the moments where you need to make a play, make a drive, can you make it? He had the opportunity and he didn't. Mm-hmm. And and it, it goes back to. Even if you look at how they called the game for Josh Allen, do you know how many throws were behind the line of scrimmage? 16. It was 14. Like 14 behind the line of scrimmage throws, meaning, Josh, we're going to get the ball out of your hand. Joe Brady said, we're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs by running the football and taking care of the ball. Not necess- They had zero plays over 20 yards. To me, I mean, they could have had a couple, but, you know. They, right. They, they obviously could have. But even the, the amount of sh- – I think they only took four shots in the entire game. Yeah. And you have a quarterback with Josh Allen's talent? So even Buffalo was saying, Josh, we're gonna not, not going to allow you to sling the ball downfield. We're going to take what the defense gets us, gets the ball to our playmakers. They're going to make the plays. You're going to use your legs to win the game. To me, that speaks volumes about where Josh, what Buffalo thought of Josh Allen heading into this big game of we like you. We think you're great. We think you're talented. But I don't think they trusted him to win the game and to put it on his back in terms of like the big throws, like with your arm. Do y'all think it's because of that? Or do you think it's because Kansas city's defense is just that good to where they weren't giving up big plays because they definitely took their shots. Yeah. Yeah. And and they took, they took a couple, but it didn't work. They took a couple, but it wasn't like a consistent like, hey, we're going to try and do this. It was more like, hey, we're going to play to the line of scrimmage and then take a shot here and there to keep them on their toes type thing. It didn't feel like they were really trying to push the ball down the field. It didn't feel like that at any point in the game. If Diggs catches that bomb and then Mm -hmm. there's another receiver 
the drop to pass. That was I think awesome. it was Shakir. I think it was Shakir. Shakir. Okay, so if Shakir and Diggs catch both of those balls, do you think we're talking about the fact that they're they didn't trust him to move the ball down the field or throw the ball down the field? I think, yes, I think yes, because of the attempts. I, I like, think like they'll be because I think it will be even more of a thing and like why didn't they do that more? We yeah. then we'll be asking the question like with real sincerity of like it worked. Well, why and didn't especially he have 14 attempts behind the line of scrimmage if he completed those two passes. What was so wrong? That's going to put the narrative that they don't trust him. That's going to even enhance it even more. I think it still pushes it, but I think I do agree with you. But but what I think happens is let's say that that throw to Shakir works, and I think that might go to what you're talking about of was it the way Kansas City played it? It's because I think that Josh Allen, when he threw that ball to Shakir, it wasn't the most accurate pass in the world, but it was a great throw considering that he had to go off script, get outside of the pocket, and try and make a play. Um, but I think that if if Shakir makes that play and catches that ball, I would can I would argue that maybe Joe Brady at that point says, okay, Josh is in his bag. Let's open up the playbook more. Let's get away from screen passes um, and, and allow for Josh Allen to throw the ball more. But they I obviously- think the throw would have been enough. The throw should have been enough to like, he's putting it there. Now we just got to go and make the plays. Mm-hmm. He made the throw. So for me, I don't think it changes that because he saw how, like, dude, that was catchable. Mm-hmm. Like, you should have caught that. If we can cash in on those, let's go for more of that. I don't think that's the reason. Yeah, because that throw would have been enough. Yeah, but I, I think I'm starting to, I'm starting to understand Savage more, and consider it, of maybe, Kansas like, because of Kansas City's defense and maybe what they saw on film, they said the best way for us to beat Kansas City is to run the football and to use Josh Allen's legs more than his arm and not give them opportunities to snag the ball. Yeah, and also um, on first things first, yesterday I think it was Nick Wright, he um, threw up a graph because either yesterday or Monday that in the last seven games, Kansas City has not given up more than seven points in the second half. Mm. Just Their defense is shutting people down. That's why it's like I just – I don't know if they don't trust, you know – Allen to throw it down the field and Daniel to your point you said you think if they cashed in on those two opportunities that'd be even more so why did you do it I kind of think the opposite of if they hit those two they would have called it more mm-hmm. they'd have been like oh man no this I is mean if, yeah, if, if, that's what I'm saying to. I but think had he work. had he outright missed them then he then that that would be great that would be correct but he did but the fact is is that he hit on those and the receivers just failed to make the play that well, that doesn't mean do they don't it. trust Allen. That just means that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying that there's a reason why they didn't do it. Yeah. And maybe they didn't trust the receivers and continue to make the play. I don't know. Yeah. Because like you have, not to say that those were easy catches, but that in the in the playoff atmosphere like that, you have to make those plays. And Absolutely. They, and they probably didn't trust the receivers to make any plays. Yeah. But so the narrative of Josh Allen, that's just something that people don't like to have that conversation 
because they they want to believe in Josh Allen's talent. But I think we've reached a point in the NFL. It's like I think this was a great weekend for us to have real conversations about quarterbacks, the credit that they get, the criticism that they get, and the consistency that needs to be had across the board. Because we're heading into this next game where the San Francisco 49ers come from behind to beat the Green Bay Packers 24 to 21. Um, Brock Purdy did not necessarily have a great game from start to finish. There was a couple of passes that he threw that probably should have been intercepted and were intercepted the week before for Green Bay. Um, but when he needed to make the plays, Brock Purdy engineered a drive, led his team down the field with Christian McCaffrey finishing it off, uh, and then Jordan Love throwing across the field, across his body with an interception to end the game. But, Daniel, I'm going to start with you. Is it time for us and is it time for Brock Purdy to get more credit for this team's success? No, it's not time. I think for me, the encouraging part was the fact that his mental toughness. You've played bad the whole game. Now, did he make some throws during that game that you were just like, man, that was a great throw? Yeah, he had some of those. But for the most part, he played bad. He didn't play well. But at the end of the game, they gave him the ball. They gave him the opportunity to go, 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 do, go make a drive. Make it happen. And so, you know, you, we, we, we start off by... Like we get to a third and five play where that's a tight window that he has to get to Brandon Ayuk and he makes a great throw. Then he does a simple out route to an unknown wide receiver and, you know, it's soft coverage. So for me, I, to me, that wasn't as impressive because that's a simple out route, but nonetheless completed it first down. I think the play that really impressed me was the scramble, you know, to get it to like, what was it? like a, a yard sh- short of the first down line, then hand it off to McCaffrey. That's a good drive. That That's the difference between, I mean, I'm not going to put him in the same conversation as Josh Allen, but if we're comparing the performances, Brock, Mer- Brock Purdy made the drive. Josh Allen didn't. And so for me, I don't think it changes the narrative or it should even, we should give him more credit. I think if you were to give him any credit, it was the fact that he was able to do it without Debo Samuels. The fact that he he did go to a Jennings and and fit him in the offense a lot more, fed him the ball, and Jennings made some plays for him. And so I think that that was encouraging. The fact that he was able, no matter what was happening at the end of the game, what he had done throughout the game, the fact that you can buckle down, focus, lead your team down the field to get a score. That says a whole lot about a young quarterback. And, you know, I I made the comparison early on in the year that he reminds me of a 1981 Joe. That is a 1981 Joe Montana drive. And the NFC Championship in 1981, Joe Montana played an equivalent, if not worse, than what Brock Purdy played throughout the game. Joe had three interceptions on that game, three interceptions that were just egregiously bad. And if I'm but, what do we, but what do we remember? We remember the drive, the catch, going 
going down 91 yards, hitting Dwight Clark at the back of the end zone to win the game to send him to the Super Bowl. For me, I felt like this was that kind of game for Brock. Now, did he throw a touchdown pass to win the game? No. But when he needed to have the drive, he made it. Now, his defense played really well. So did Joe's defense. They played really well. They made the stop at the end of the game to make it happen. But I think I think for Brock Purdy, we just need to wait. We just need to wait. We need to wait and see. I think, and I think this is the issue that I have with just how we evaluate quarterbacks in general. It's just everyone wants to crown everyone, either crown them or eviscerate them prematurely. I want to see what these guys do with a good amount of time. For me, I, I'm not going to put him in that elite status, but I'm also not going to dink him for having a good team and having good teammates because he still has got to go out there and make plays. And he's done that. So, but I will, we can open the conversation a lot more. I want I want to hear your guys' thoughts about, about how we played or at least that drive. Yeah, I would say that, you know, Brock Purdy does not deserve more credit for their wins because I already think he's getting too much credit to begin with from how the conversation goes. Um, when, when I look at Brock Purdy, what I see, and I kind of teased this before the show whenever we were just talking, he is elite at one thing, understanding his role. He understands his role. He knows that his job is not to be the superstar. He knows his job is to not go out and play Superman ball. And that's what we see a lot with Allen. That's why Allen gets himself in trouble is because he's always trying to be Superman. Um, I think about the year a couple of years ago when Mahomes, whenever they were playing the, you know, the cover two shell on them, and he couldn't take all those deep shots anymore. He had to learn how to check it down. He had to understand what his role was for that team. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Brock understands his role is ultimately to be the bus driver. And he's fine with that. And I think that's great. Like, I don't mean this in a negative sense at all. You know, I think that one of the best things that you can be as a quarterback is not a lot of ego understanding what is your team need for you, for you to be able to win games and go and do that. And that's what he's done so far. I mean, he's understood his role. He's not going to make the crazy throws. He's not going to put the ball in that much of danger, though he should probably should have had two picks. But typically, that's not what you see from him. He doesn't mind taking the easy out route to the unknown wide receiver you know, just to help move the chains. He's not – He if he was in Josh Allen's spot, he wouldn't have thrown the ball to Shakir. He would have thrown the ball to, you know, uh, to Diggs at the end on that last drive. He just – he takes what's open. And you win a lot of games like that. There was a lot of Tom Brady's career where you could have described him that way. Mm -hmm. of just take yes. what's open, make the right read, move the ball down the field, chew clock, control the game, let your defense rest up. He just he puts his superstars in a position to be able to be superstars. Um, you know, he didn't have the game-winning touchdown. Why? Because he gave it to McCaffrey for McCaffrey to get that. And so I think that that, like, he, because of that, like, 
his self-awareness is fantastic. And that's great for Niners fans. That doesn't make him an elite quarterback, though, in the sense of, like, he's an MVP caliber guy or he can do that. It just means that he knows what he needs to do in order to, to win. He understands the assignment. He can win a bunch of games that way. But I don't think either of us are sitting here saying that if you were going to build your team around a quarterback, Purdy would not be one of the first 10 guys you mentioned. He just wouldn't. Just because that's – if all you get is a quarterback to start, there's a lot of guys you'd pick over. You know, I'm not saying that makes Purdy bad. Just mm-hmm. saying that right. he's right. not the one that needs to be getting all the praise for their wins. We're going to head into the Baltimore Ravens beating the Houston Texans 34-10. to This game was – I think it was closer than – what the score indicated. And the only reason why I say that is because I love CJ Stroud and he made some great plays um, running for his life. It was 10 to 10 at halftime, 10 to 10 midway through the third quarter. And then finally the floodgates broke open. Eventually talent is going to outbeat everything else. Because I think what we saw in this game was great teams Great coaches, but ultimately the more talented team won out, I would say. Um, Houston was very inexperienced. They committed a lot of penalties that put themselves in a hole. But Lamar Jackson showed up and he came to play. So, Savage, I'm going to start with you. Um, what? Let's first let, – let's credit Houston. How incredible was Houston's season this season? Yeah, I think you can you can either judge their season in a vacuum or you can judge their season based off of expectations. I think the more fair approach would be judging it based off of their expectations. And everybody expected them to be a bottom five team in the league. They ended up arguably being a border top five team in the league um, is kind of how I think the season ended. Um, they got – they lost to Baltimore, which – right now is either one or two best teams, best rosters. It's between them and San Francisco of the best rosters in the league. Um, And so there's no shame in a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, all of your captains on defense for the most part are either rookies or second years or third year players. Mm -hmm. Uh, Man, Houston had a great year. I mean, if I, if I was a Houston Texans fan, I would feel way better about this team than I ever felt underneath Deshaun Watson's Texans. Because I feel like Stroud has already showed more than Deshaun ever showed. I feel like the coach has already shown more than, do you remember who the Texans coach was at that time? I think it was, I think it was, oh man, it's the guy who was at Alabama, Brian uh, O'Brien. Yeah, Yeah, uh, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, yeah. I would definitely feel better about who's coaching now than Bill O'Brien. You know? Well, so my my question to you real quick, I, did Deshaun even ever win a playoff game? He did. He did. Yeah, okay. he did. Okay. Yeah, but I would still feel better about it than Yeah, uh, yeah, my my thing is like I don't think Deshaun when he won his playoff game, it was as dominant of a performance as CJ Stroud was. Uh, not as dominant, but he played really really well and took the game over in that playoff yeah. game. Now, granted, it probably wasn't against really spectacular I mean, opponent, like a wild card win. 
or something like that. I mean, JJ Watt, was, I don't know if he, he was playing still at the time. I think he was still playing, but I don't think that, I think you're right. I don't think the team that they were playing against was the second best defense in the NFL. Right. Like it was right. I don't think the opponent was anything crazy. It might have been like Tennessee or something like that. Yeah. If, or the Colts, something like that. Right. So I think if you're a Texans fan, you feel great about how this season went. I think you go into Baltimore thinking kind of like how I thought how that game was going to go of, you know, if you're a Texans fan, you think they're going to win. Of course, you have that fan mystique. I thought they were going to win just because I've seen Lamar whenever he's supposed to win a playoff game, not win a playoff game. Even when he took a week off, especially. Right. I wanted to hold off my um, my full in on Lamar um, until after I saw him be able to do it in a playoff game. And he has done that clearly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think you walk away from Sunday's game feeling discouraged. I think you're like, man, I can't wait for the offseason. Our mm-hmm. team's going to grow. D'Amico Ryan has done a fantastic job. You know, you look at Will Anderson and just think, man, that dude is a beast. He is who we thought, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, I think he's already better than Micah. In the sense of he has a bigger frame, a bigger body, and is actually supposed to be an edge rusher. Um, and then you have who's their their other guy on defense? Um, is it? Gosh, I can't remember his name. Christian something or one of their oh. other. In yeah, keep, keep talking. I'll look it up, guys. He man, he has been playing. He's a, a third year player out of Alabama. He's been playing fantastically, and so. Um, you have some good, interesting weapons that, you know, I think you're going to have to improve your wide receiver room significantly. I mean, can you imagine Stroud if you had a true number one? Um, and Christian so, Harris. Christian, Christian Harris. Harris. Yeah. I mean, just fantastic player right there. Um, so you had a couple weapons in the offseason. You rebuild, you build up that offensive line a little more. You already have your anchor with Laramie Tunzel. You just had a couple more linemen there. And um, man, Fairbairn looked great this year. I mean, there were so many good things about the Texans. Um, so I think you feel great about them going next year. I think they had a great season and they just lost to a team that should have beat them in the way that they did. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm think I'm I'm about the same. Like where they were, what they were supposed to do, they obviously overachieved. Um, I don't know if I would go as far as to say that they feel better with C.J. Stroud than Deshaun Watson in his heyday, um, because Deshaun Watson did at one point lead the league in passing, and he was making phenomenal, really good plays to where you felt like if you had Deshaun Watson. You could win every game. So that was part of it. But I do agree with you. I think D'Amico Ryans is a way better coach uh, than than Bill O'Brien ever was. And I think that's where the confidence needs to lie. And a guy who's going to have his team ready to play, his defense is always going to be stout and elite with Will Anderson and Christian Harris. Like Again, I I can't really add more than what you did. Um, And I actually think that now Houston might be a, a destination where players will want to go and play because they know they have a quarterback that they believe in that, you know, will give his best who won't get rattled in the big moments. And then you have a head coach who is a player who was a player. So he's going to be able to relate you a whole lot more. And he's been proven, man, you can win some games with him 
running your football team. So for me, that's why I personally think I think a lot of a lot of players will want to go and play with CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, I absolutely agree with what both of you guys said. I, I think for me, I I, I would I, I do choose CJ Stroud over Deshaun Watson because Deshaun okay. Watson has Anything. has shown has shown that he can throw 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions and win you four football games. CJ Stroud can do the same and you're probably winning 12, 13 games and you're probably going to an AFC championship game if he's playing like that. Just because I think even in the little things that CJ Stroud does, it has big impacts on the field. And I've never seen a player have, especially with, again, with what we thought this team should have been, to have the impact that he's had on this football team, along with D'Amico Ryan, who's a f- phenomenal coach. I think, I think this is the is is a bright spot for Houston of saying yeah, like even in the wild card round. I think even if they lose to Cleveland, if they lose to Cleveland, it's probably going to be a close game. And even at that point, they're going to be like, we we shouldn't even have been at this point. But you went toe to toe for two and a half quarters with the best team in football. It was 10 to 10 midway through the third quarter and you held your own. What could this team be next year? Now that, now that you have a proven quarterback, a proven head coach, um, a great offensive coordinator, like my gosh, their offense coordinator was still dialing up some awesome plays. Their defense was playing good. Like everything about Houston was is so on the up and up. Like you have like you have to feel good, like Savage said, if you are a Houston Texans fan. Um, but let's let's go ahead and let's move on. We'll talk about Baltimore here in a little bit. Um Detroit Lions beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31 to 23. Um Detroit they're playing well. They're playing good ball. We know this. We'll talk about them a little bit later. We're going to focus on Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield. Savage, he threw two interceptions, it, it, but he also made some plays earlier in the game before it got to that point. What are you? Where do you think? Uh, what do you think that the Buccaneers should do with Baker Mayfield in the offseason? I think if you're the Bucks, you need to try to give Baker another contract. Not super long term, not super high money, but um, your other option is Trask and you're still under a pretty significant cap deficit. He can be a good bridge quarterback to get you another couple of years down the road and keep you interesting. Maybe see if you have something in Trask, try to develop him a little bit. You probably don't have anything with him there, Um, but you know, get you to where you're at a space of having cap money to be able to make moves to get other players, maybe start a softer rebuild once the money situation's looking better. Um, but no, I think, you know, you, you're not mad if Baker comes back next year. I mean, I think he played good in that playoff game. He had two picks, but I still think mm-hmm. he looked good. Um, and so, yeah, I think Baker did. I mean, this year, this year saved his career. Um, because he was a yeah. guy that you weren't sure if he was going to be the starter the whole year. 
And now, if he's not starting for Tampa, he will be starting somewhere. Um, you look at a guy that he's probably somewhere around the 15th best quarterback in the league, 15th to 20th, probably somewhere in that range. Um, so definitely a lot of places would consider making him their starter, you know. And so, yeah, good on Baker. Bucks probably need to keep him for a couple of years. Yeah, I think I think their go-to move needs to be to keep him and to keep Mike Evans. If I'm Baker, that's the question I'm asking. Mm. Are we re-signing Mike Evans? If Mike Evans is not coming back, neither am I. I agree with Savage. I think there's plenty of teams in the NFL that would take Baker right now. And funny that we were talking about the Raiders earlier. I think that's one of those one of those teams. Because you have a Devontae Adams, you have a Josh Jacobs, you have Frank Moreau. And you have, you know, I, I feel like they're going to get a good coach either way, whether it's, you know, Antonio Pierce. No, Antonio or, Pierce is, is, is the coach. He's the head they, coach. Great. Yeah, he's the oh, head coach. Right. That that's was right. announced last week, yeah. And I feel like Baker will want to go play for him. For me, I think they set the same temperature on the field. So for me, if I'm Baker, I want to stay in Tampa. But you got to keep Mike Evans. He ha- you have to give me weapons. If not, I would mm-hmm. go somewhere else. But I do think he's earned... Like I like Savage said, like a three, four year deal with with good money, but not crazy money and play your way into a big contract if you can. Yeah, I would say I'd say the same thing. If Mike Evans comes back, sign Baker to a two to three year deal, um, make most of that money still incentives. Um, But I do like him going to to the Raiders. There's just something about Baker of him going to these pirate like teams that just work. I mean, he has that swagger. He has that, that fire that you're looking for, especially in those two organizations. Um, but I, I think for me, Baker, Baker's good. I just don't know. Oh, like Savage said, he's, he, he clearly is in top 10. Um, just because there's just so many other good quarterbacks in the league, not just because not because of Baker's is bad or anything like that, um, but I, I think even in 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 that Detroit game, I think I did see enough. I'm not blaming him for either one of the interceptions because I think first one was obviously tipped. Um, second one, you're trying to make a play in a game that's pretty much already lost, and so you just you just make a bad throw. Um, but he, he doesn't elevate your team to, to, and, and I think that's the, that's why we're saying he's a bridge quarterback because you don't trust him to elevate the team to win you those big kind of games. He, he is going to be the game manager. Who's going to try, who's going to make a throw or two, but you got to have to have everything go your way to ultimately win. Um, but I think Baker definitely changed the narrative of himself. Of, I mean, I think bust was being thrown around there for Baker. Um, he, I mean, he's had more success than a normal bust would, but clearly as the number one overall pick, you were expecting more than him jumping on to now his sixth team heading into next year. Um, but I also don't think that he's the guy, I don't think he's, the franchise guy and Tampa Bay. I could be wrong. I'm okay with being wrong, but 
I didn't see anything that made me say, yeah, you're that guy. Because he essentially beat the Pittsburgh Steelers two times. He beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who who went 11-1 and that one year, and then the wheels fell off, and they limped into the playoffs. Cleveland beat that team. Then you have the Philadelphia Eagles, who were 10-1. and The wheels fell off, and he beat that team. And so you have two playoff wins that I'm just like, eh. But I, I'm going to give him credit. I think you're right, especially like heading into halftime, that last drive that he put together, magical. It was great. But overall, I don't think that you're going to get a lot from Baker Mayfield to warrant giving him a big contract. But now moving on, uh, this is a segment that I'm not excited to do. It, it's it's the Cowboys uh, in the news again for the wrong reasons. You had three family members of arguably our three best players, Dak Prescott's brother, Tad, saying that if he could get Dak out of Dallas, he would. CD's mom saying that Dak isn't it, that Dak is trash. And then you have Michael Parsons' brother saying, you know what? You're going to miss him when he's gone because he's going to leave. But Daniel, I'm going to start with you. Any any reactions to what's going on in Dallas? This is the Dallas Cowboys. This is who they are. A bunch of underachieving finger pointers who aren't a team. It's so disappointing. It's so wrong that stuff like this is coming out. But at the same time, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by this. I can understand from Tad's perspective why he wants Dak out of here. Three weeks ago or four weeks ago, his brother is being elevated to a point where people are like, hey, this is Dak's it. Dak's the guy. He's finally figured it out. He's finally turned it around. And then when they lose, it's, it's the Trey Lance era now. Let's trade him. Let's get someone else. They, they've they been through that, what, about three, four years in a row? So as a family member, obviously you're going to feel some type of way. Now, in the case of CD's mom, probably she may have some more insight about what happened in that Green Bay game between Dak and, and CD. But your son did have his best season with Dak Prescott. That did happen. And then Micah Parsons' brother. I mean, I, I for me, I've I've never been a huge fan of Micah Parsons. But I'm I'm with like, bro. If he wants to go, just go. I'd rather do that than pay him thirty five million to do nothing in November and and December. I'm okay with that. For me, the only thing that bothered me is that they felt comfortable to say this publicly. Like it wasn't like it wasn't going to be a huge thing. So, but it's who they are. It's what they do. They want they they want to just talk. They don't want to do anything to make themselves better or to win football games. What 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 else are we going to do? There's no, nothing really we can do. I know Probably they're going to go to each other. It's like, hey, man, that's just my family talking. It's not that big of a deal. But it's just, 
It's why the way that we are. I'm sorry. It's just, it's why. Yeah, I'm not really concerned by it at all. Um, everybody's pissed. We lost the game. We should have won. People are arguing. It's fine. None of the actual players are saying any of this. It's just overreactive family. And, I mean, this isn't anything like Stefan Diggs literally saying he wants to leave Buffalo and or A.J. Brown scrubbing the Eagles off of his social media. I mean, if it was the actual players doing this, mm. that's one thing. But your mama got mad that the quarterback yelled at her baby. Huh. Hey, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like a story to me, but Uh like if this, if this was happening with, you know, let me think of just some team. If this was Atlanta right now and, you know, Drake London's mom was getting mad and Desmond Ritter's brother was talking and, you know, I can't, and I don't even know if I can name a single player on Atlanta's defense, but their best defensive players brother is talking the exact same situation i don't think national media picks it up i just think it's because it's the star Mm -hmm. so people are going to talk about it but i it's whatever i mean i don't i don't care if if this if this at all affects the actual team itself then they're not men Mm. They they don't know how to squash beef and move on you know i mean it's family getting mad. That happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so it's just, to me, I'm not really concerned by it. Yeah. I, I think I am only concerned because of that last point that you just brought up. Like, I am afraid that this is going to affect the team because again, I love Dak. I'm a huge Dak Prescott fan, but this has happened too many times now for me to just ignore it. Like you're the leader of the team. Like, this is something that you, as the leader of the team, as the quarterback, you need to have wrangled in. Or at the very least, this is going to be the big test for Dak Prescott of, we're going to see what kind of leader that you're going to be. Are you are you going to let this affect your football team? Um, because apparently... I don't know how much I trust this, but I'm going to bring it up and I want to get your guys' reactions to it. I mean, Stephen A. Smith said that, you know, in the past from Cowboys players on the offense and defensive side of the of the ball, you have people going around saying that they don't believe in Dak Prescott. I mean, that's a reality. And as the quarterback of the team, that's something that you do need to have. And so that's why I'm concerned for next year, because if Dak has already lost this football team, then I have to change my take and say, you have to get rid of him because, and how, man, I'm trying to be careful with what I say here, because I don't want to say anything wrong and I want to say anything offensive, but you can't you can't be asking for $60 million if your team doesn't believe in you and doesn't trust you and if you're not the leader who's able to reel that in. 
Like, I, I just don't, I just don't, this is why it's such a big deal to me, because for me, I'm seeing the writing on the wall. I'm finally seeing it play out of just like, I, like, you don't have an option. Because if, if, if they don't believe in you, if they don't trust you, if they feel confident enough to, because uh, these conversations have to be happening at home, especially with CD's mom, possibly. Maybe not like at the end of the season, but maybe earlier in the season when he wasn't getting the ball, things were being said. That 49ers game last year, I remember last year, a bunch of players came out and said, yeah, that was Dak's fault. So is that still carrying over? And if it is, how is that going to affect next year? That's going to be my big question. I think this thing, this situation speaks directly to Dak's leadership and how he handles it. Because if they can't get over this, I have to put it on the quarterback. I have to put it on Dak Prescott because you're supposed to be the leader of this team. So what should Dak do? I think that he needs to have a meeting with 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 his guys, with his team. And they said, hey, we need to we need to get together. We need to band together. And talk through the issue because clearly there was an issue at Green Bay or, uh, during the Green Bay game. Clearly something happened and it didn't get addressed. And, like, do you guys believe that? Like, do you guys believe that there's something that there was something going on leading up to the Green Bay game that didn't get addressed? And we saw that happen. We saw the aftermath of that happening on the field in the first half. I mean, it's, like, it's it's possible, but I think a lot of it had to do that Dak show, like yelled at CD early on in the game. That could have been it. I mean, we don't know. There's no concrete evidence that anything happened. And if it had, I, Dallas being the way it is, it would have been out here. It would have been out already that something happened. Um, now, Savage posed the question, what does Dak do? Dude, I think if I'm Dak, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready to go. Because at this point, there's already been a question about your ability and about your leadership. Why would you want to stay? Why would you want to continue to play for an organization that continues to doubt you? A fan base that seems to accept you and then discard you, accepts you again, and then discards you at, at a drop of a hat. Um, so if I was Dak, let me go somewhere else. You guys can be 3-14, and 14, be picking number one overall, and, and see how that works for you. Um, I wouldn't blame him one one bit, but that's what I would do if I was Dak because, like, why should why should he have to go through that? Why? So, so, so just to ask you, so are you saying that this has nothing to do with Dak's leadership or anything like that as a player? It, it's just, just the way things are in Dallas because of the culture, and that's why Dak has to go? I mean, to me, he's never seen that that type of leader. Like he's a like if things are good, he's a raw, raw. Hey guys, let's get going. Hey guys, let's dapping them up before when things are going great. But when things are going bad, I don't. I, I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't see him like getting his teammates, getting them going on the sideline. And that's not a knock, knock on Dak because I don't think every lead like every leader is not supposed to lead the same. 
but it needs to be effective. It needs to be effective. And for what reason? Maybe it's some guys need to be led a certain way. And how Dak leads, I don't think it fits. I don't think it fits with this team. And so they're also questioning his ability. So why would he stay? I don't have a problem with the way that he leads. Because like it's very, it's not, I'm going to get, that's not the way I lead either. The way I lead is like I have conversations with people. I try to get to know what is going on, try to fix it, come to a solution, whatever that may be. That doesn't mean I'm not a leader. It just means I lead a certain way and it works for me. The way that Dak leads his team does not work for the type of players that he has around him. And he's not being treated like a leader either. So why would he stay? doesn't make sense to me. Savage, you got anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I, I would say I think, you know, going back to the main point, if this was conversations that were happening in August, I'd be concerned. But this is happening right after a dramatic loss. When people are emotional about something, they're going to react in big ways. And clearly, this shows that the players care about the team. They want to win. They were apathetic towards the Cowboys. They wouldn't be getting upset. Um, there hasn't been any news of players being upset or saying that about each other. I guess, I guess the Stephen A thing, but at the same point, I don't. You're you're on mute, David. What are you saying? Yeah, your core is messing up again. No, I'm saying that it it wasn't it wasn't like within the last year, or it was like within the last year, like a year or two ago. During the the uh, that big fight with Spencer Spencer and whatever his name was, yeah, um, yeah. Then I would just man. I mean, if people don't, people are going to think you can lead when you win, and people aren't going to think you can lead when you lose. But that's not going to be any different than in Dallas. I mean, it's just you might not have as much media attention on it. But mm-hmm. uh, if I was Dallas, if I was Dak, I wouldn't leave. Um, I would stay and try to win. Um, you go to a different team, you're probably – the odds are you're not going to as good of a roster as we have if you leave Dallas because Dallas has – It's a great roster. Maybe a top seven roster is where you could put that barrier at. It's somewhere in there. It's certainly top ten. It might mm-hmm. not be top five. So that's why I, I went top seven. Yeah. Um, so you're probably going to a worse team. You're not going to get near the attention. Sleep number ads will be gone. Um, you know, no more ruffles, no more any of that, you know, whatever other. Well, it depends on where he goes. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you go to Arizona, you're not, or like just a team like that that's not a huge market team, you're not. I think on where he would go. Right. That's what maybe I'm saying. Atlanta, like, there's. Maybe Atlanta, maybe the Raiders. If you go to Atlanta, the aren't. Good. If you look to the Raiders or to the Falcons, you're not going to be getting all these national ad campaigns. And so stay in Dallas and just play better. I mean, you know, that's just what it comes down to. You know, it's like he's proven he can win 12 games in a regular season. That's yeah. not why people don't think he can lead. It's just when it comes time to the playoffs, he just doesn't ever 
he he never has a forty to zero, you know, New York Giants. Mm-hmm. You know, it just feels like the conversation around Dak is always it's the same show every year. Is you know he beats up on the bad teams and he loses to the good teams. Just beat some good teams and this will all go away. It's mm-hmm. just that yeah. simple. I I just think that. I don't know how possible it is for him to say, based on what the contract that's coming up, do they feel like they're going to pay them, pay him or not? I don't think they're going to, especially if he doesn't do anything next year. If if it's the same story next year, I don't think they, unless Jerry is dumb and wants to overpay to have a worse team. And so I think he would go somewhere else, make 60 and be marginal. Yeah, I, I, I think where where I'm at in, in terms of this team, and like I said, like this this weekend of football, it's been eye opening for me, because I saw six teams who were really prepared to play in their games. All six teams were prepared to play. Ours wasn't. Uh, and whether you give Dak a big contract, I think even if he takes a, let's say that he takes another $40 million contract, let's just hypothetical. Um, and we're able to, to get and acquire some pieces. Like Savage said, we had, I, I would argue we had in terms of just talent. I said, we probably had like a top five team just in terms of talent, just in terms of ability. We had a top five roster, but we have, a below average head coach, in my opinion. I don't I don't care who you bring in onto that football team, unless it's possibly Patrick Mahomes, maybe Joe Burrow if he can stay healthy, but let's just go Patrick Mahomes only. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the only player who can get you to a championship game. I don't think anybody else can do it as long as we have these coaches in place. Because, I mean, we're talking about the culture of this team. Year in and year out, we can we can say it about Dak, but we could also say it about the Dallas Cowboys. Like when it comes to the playoffs, we're just not ready to play. We come out sluggish and slow in first half of games. To me, that's coaching, and to to me that that's that's a lack of intensity and focus brought in by the the guys who should be leading this team. Um, and so. It, it's just the, the, to, to me this this situation that was brought is just like another one of just like man this this is first we had McCarthy was coming back and now we have all this drama coming out of Dallas and you know it's just it's just a very dark place for us to be at least that's what I think but that's that's going to be Cowboys football until September and then. Obviously, we're going to make a run at the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to win it next year. Anyway, got kind of moving on. Um, we are going to do pick them for the AFC and NFC championship games. Uh, I went 4-0. Savage and Daniel went 3-1. I did something. It, it, you Savage, you can call me petty here. Um, um I just wanted to see. I just wanted to see. Because Savage is just like, oh, pick them. I'm doing so well. I pick them and turn the percentage. So I went back. I went back and I went to the episodes that you were on and did pick them and saw what our overall records were. And I was not happy with the results. Um, 
So overall, in the in the I, I put this under Savage shows. Savage is 58 and 28. Daniel is 55 and 31. And I am 53 and 33. So Savage still has a three-game lead over the two of us on Pick'em. So, Daniel, if you want a shot at this, you have to pick differently than Savage the rest of the time because we've only got three games left. But let's get into this first game. Um, Kansas City versus Baltimore. Who wins? Who's going first? I think the one in last place should go first. Who, me? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, mm. I'm going to go Kansas City. Um, I just – I believe in Patrick Mahomes. I think that his receivers in this playoffs have finally – turn the corner i think they're playing really good football right now not saying that baltimore isn't but when you have a quarterback like patrick mahomes i think that he is going to be in lockstep with lamar jackson and i think that he pulls it out and he wins and he shows why he's the best quarterback in the league yeah give me the chiefs well, I guess we are starting that way. Uh, I'm going to take Baltimore in this game. I just look at what they did with C.J. Stroud, an offense that was quite hot um, with a bunch with really good weapons, and they only got 10 points. Um, a lot of that had to do with, like, false start penalties and all those things, but I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I still don't trust the weapons that Patrick Mahomes had. I still don't trust them. Um, it's one game again. I need I need to see them do it again. Um, I do think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think, but I'm still going to take Baltimore. I think this is Lamar's year. Yeah. Uh, next game is going to be the NFC championship game, Detroit versus San Francisco. (laughs) Give me Detroit. I'm going to go Detroit here. Um, I wasn't impressed with San Francisco's defense last week. Um, I think that Jordan Love was able to do some things that made the game scary. I think Brock Purdy struggled. Um, and I, I, I think that is going to continue, at least from the defensive side of the ball. I think Gibbs is having an incredible postseason. Golf, I think, is changing the narrative about himself. Um, because he's had a great playoffs, and I think that continues. I think that Detroit has the upset and wins the NFC Championship. For me, I was looking at the weather. Oh, (laughs) yeah. What's the weather look like? It's um, low of... Is it on Sunday or Saturday? I think it's on Sunday. Yeah, low of 54, high of 67, sunny with clouds. No rain. So I'm probably going to go. I'm going to put Daniel in a corner. 
I'm going to go San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not going to let our records dictate what I was going to what I'm going what's going to happen. <laughs> Obviously, I have more integrity than that. Um, I lost all my integrity. That's why I picked Detroit. I just want to make it closer. <laughs> no, I, I think San Francisco is going to win. Like David, you were saying, you weren't impressed with the 49ers defense. I wasn't impressed with the Lions defense. They almost let Baker Mayfield throw for 400 yards on a team that was kind of struggling to move the ball during the year. And so for me, I I, I think Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, there's. I, Debo Samuel, I don't know if he's going to play or not. I mean, they – doesn't matter. And so I think that they're going to still continue. I think Jennings will continue to step up. I think Kittle will keep doing what he's been doing. And I think the defense forces Jared Goff to make a mistake. And so I, I think San Francisco is going to win this game. Hmm. Well, that is going to do it for us here on Double Take and NFL Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching, if that's, if that's what you do. Uh, make sure to subscribe and to follow the podcast. Um, enjoy a great week of championship football. We will be back next week to cover those games and to talk a little bit more. But until next time, God bless. <laughs>